0: I go, I go different places, and I and I preach and I minister, and it's very weird for me, because like people want to like honor you and like wait on you and stuff like that. It's like I'm not like that, you know what I mean? It's like I like y'all need me to help you sweep the floor or whatever else. I, I don't like to be, I don't like to be honored like that. And, and so, but it, one thing that kind of breaks my heart is, is that I I go places and I see the man and woman of God that has been set there by God to tend that flock and take care of those. Sometimes I see guests come in like me who get more honor, treated better than the man and woman of God that's there every day, day in and day out. So let me say this to you, is that the visitor is not there with you in the hospital So you all can be seated. I was, I'm not used to giving commands, so you'll have to just bear with me. Uh, so my name is Rocky. I've been called lots of things. Um, commonly they call me pastor or whatever else, but I'm just Rocky. The most important thing, two most important things that I want you to know about me is that I am the extremely proud dad of four beautiful children three girls and a boy. They're not so little anymore. My oldest daughter is 21. And, uh, so I'm very, very proud of them. And the most important thing is, is that the Lord has honored me to let him serve him and to, and to preach and teach his word. So that's the absolute most important thing that, um, that you could possibly know about me. And, So, the message that I've got for you today has been something that I've been working on for a couple months. And you might say, wow, this is probably going to take forever. I won't preach more than three or four hours, I promise. (laughs) Um, But before I get into the message, I I want to, with the, um, I already talked to Pastor Tibbs about this. If you're here today and you need healing... Um, or you need deliverance, or you need some supernatural help from the Lord. I want you to know that He is here to help you. He's ready and prepared to move on your behalf. So after we get done with the message, we're going to pray for everybody that needs prayer. Acts 16:20 says that the apostles went out preaching the word and the war and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word that they preached with accompanying signs signs, right? So signs there is the Greek is translated from the Greek word Simeon, and it means signs, wonders, miracles. Or token demonstrations of power, right? So it's very important for us to understand that the Lord will support the word that is preached by pouring out a supernatural demonstration of his power, right? And then Acts 4 and 33 tells us that with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So whatever it is that you need today, the Lord is here He is fully capable and prepared to meet your need. So when we get done with the message, hang around. We're going to pray for each and every person that needs prayer. So I hope that a few people will hang around. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, Commonly, the Lord will do some kind of funny stuff with me. It seems like he calls me to kind of do things differently, right? And so, of course, you probably would suspect nothing less for the guy that wears a cowboy hat. Seems like most places I go, if I don't have a cowboy hat on, people don't know me. They're like, who are you? Put the cowboy hat on. Oh, yeah, you're the guy from Kentucky. (laughs) It's like, wow. I didn't know that my identity was wrapped up in a cowboy hat. It's like, you know. But uh, so I used to rodeo a little bit. I was not any good. Don't let that statement move you. I used to ride bucking horses and bulls, and I was not any good. As a matter of fact, I almost got my full self killed in 2005. But interestingly enough, that accident is what put me on a pathway on what I like to call a collision course with the king of the universe, right? So, so he kind of caused me to do things differently. And so sometimes, like, I'll be listening to a song or I'll be watching a movie, and there'll be a line or something that'll just, man, it'll just hang up in my spirit. And then the Lord will begin to do something with that, right? So before I give you the title of the message, I want to tell you what I'm here to talk to you about. So I'm here to talk to you about testing, being attacked, suffering, and overcoming, right? So it's important that we understand that as Christians, all of these things are going to happen to us. 1 John 2, 6 tells us that we say if we abide in him, we ought to walk as he himself walked. Well, Jesus was attacked. Jesus was tested. Jesus suffered. And Jesus overcame, right? And so it's through our union with him that we overcome. But I really just want you to see that, you know, oftentimes we encounter a fight of faith or a battle of faith. Or a war of faith. Anybody ever been there? You, you, ever been, you ever been to fight of faith? You ever been to battle of faith? You ever feel like this thing's gonna kill me, Lord, if you don't do something to help me, right? You know, Paul said something very similar to that in 2 Corinthians 12. So oftentimes the very first place our mind goes is what did I do wrong that you're that this is happening to me? Yeah. Right? So you search your heart, you're like, Lord. I, I, I'm not even doing anything wrong. Why is, this, why is this happening to me? Well, it's a very good chance that it's because you're doing something right. And I don't feel like that that is taught and preached enough. So the title of the message is called, I Will Do What I Must. Now, if you're a Star Wars fan you would know that one of the main characters in a Star Wars movie, this is a catchphrase for him. Obi-Wan Kenobi, in case you didn't know that. If you've never seen that, it's good. So this kind of like, you, you know, the Lord began to minister to me and, and about this, and it was in the midst of a situation that it's almost against impossible odds. He has to rise up and do what he must do. And so... I see often a lot of people that the fight of faith comes to their door, the adversary attacks, and what is one of the very first things that goes through your mind? If I just quit going to church, if I just quit serving the Lord, if I just quit doing what the Lord has told me to do, it would be so much easier. Anybody ever have those feelings? It's okay. I mean... All right. I can see we're going to have to have prayer for liars after the church service. Build all of her out here. It's okay, because you know what? This is a place and a setting where you should be able to be the most open and vulnerable. You understand that? This is a place where you should be able to come and be ministered to, to be open and to be honest. Because you know what? The Lord ain't looking for the Lord ain't looking for you to prove how tough you are by hiding what you're going through. Right? And that's something that's kind of that's kind of you know, maybe not talked about in the church enough either, is that, you know, we should be able to talk to one another about the things in which we struggle against, but we don't because we're worried about what people are going to think about us, right? Well, you know, pastor probably wouldn't let me sing if he knew I was struggling, or, you know, they probably wouldn't let me help here, or they wouldn't let me help there, or, or so on and so forth, if they knew what I struggled against. So, with that said, when you, when you come under attack, when you come under testing, because you understand God will allow you to be tested. Let me give you a scripture to back that up. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. You're going to hear some Greek. And that's kind of what I do. It's kind of my thing. That's kind of how I. That's kind of the way that the Lord leads me to teach. So James chapter one, starting at, I'm going to read you verses two through four. Pastor James says it like this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Uh Uh-oh. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. All right? So patience here is probably not a very good rendering of what is said there because really this word would mean endurance or staying power. We think of patient like oh it just takes me a lot to get mad or it takes them a lot to get mad but patience here does not mean that patience here means endurance the ability to endure so when I, I want but i want you to see this all right so it says knowing that the testing of your faith testing here is translated from the greek word dokimion and so this is a very interesting word because it means to be tried it means to be tried to prove trustworthiness. It is something that by which something is proved to be true. All right? So let the, let, let the testing of your faith produce endurance. Why count it all joy? Why count it all joy? Well, you can count it. He's not telling you to count the test or the trial all joy, but to test the fact that the same God that delivered you last time is the same God that will deliver you this time. The same God that, that came to you in the moment when it seemed like all hope was lost the last time is the same God that'll come to you in the moment when it feels like all hope is lost this time. That's why you counted all joy because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I, I'm even going to be with you to the end of the earth. So in the midst of the test, the king is with you. In the midst of the test... The king is with you. So it's very, very important for you to understand this. So it says, let your your patience have its perfect work. Patience here is translated, now listen to this, translated from the Greek word hupomene. The word is defined as steadfastness, consistency, endurance. But listen to this, I really liked this definition. In the New Testament, the characteristic Of one who is not swerved from their deliberate purpose and their loyalty to the faith and holiness by even the greatest of trials and sufferings. So, this is a person that adapts the mindset I will do what I must to serve the Lord, I will do what I must to prove, to be found faithful. In the midst of the testing. All right. Now some people will say, well, you know, I don't believe that God does that. Well, let's correct that. Let's let's correct that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, you're going to see a lot of scripture with me. So oftentimes the messages that I preach are like a road map in which we have various stopping points. We're going to use a lot of scripture. Now watch. For for you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered... Huh. This is the Apostle Paul writing this on behalf of the people that was in his camp. Has anybody here wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? Paul wrote two-thirds. The Spirit of God through Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he said, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated... At Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in what? Much conflict. Huh. Well, so if the great apostle found himself in this situation, what makes us think that we're not going to find ourselves in these types of situations? Now let's keep going. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. Watch. Watch this. But as we have been approved by God... To be entrusted with the gospel. So there was was an approving process. There was a process of approving by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Even so, we speak not as pleasing men, but God who what? Tests. Tests our hearts. Oh, wow. You mean God is really going to put me in a... He's going to permit me to be tested? Emphatically, a thousand times over, yes, he is going to. Why? So that you can be approved. Testing here is translated from the Greek word dokimatsu. And it means, listen, to test, to examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or true. To recognize as genuine after examination. To approve Or deem worthy. So I don't know if y'all got this saying up here, but back home, we have a saying that says, Well, you know, God knows my heart. (laughs) Y'all got that saying here? Okay, so I don't know how it works here in in Lima, Ohio, but in Southeast Kentucky, what that is is that's a Christian who's trying to justify the sin that they're enjoying and living in by saying, God knows my heart. So he knows that I love him even though I'm living the way that I'm living. But here's the thing is that Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. So if we broke that down in just modern English, Jesus said it like this. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. Or flip that around and say, If you love me, don't do the things that I've told you not to do. Hmm. So oftentimes... When God is testing your heart, he's looking to see, are they going to be proven faithful in my sight? Isn't that interesting? Because see, when we see in that scripture, that it says that they were approved through a testing process. Paul, the apostle, and those that were with him were in a somewhat of a perpetual testing process process. You know what? If you're going to walk like Jesus walked, guess what? You're going to find yourself in somewhat of a perpetual testing process. See, the thing about it is is that hmm, you think that the testing is punishment, but the thing about it is, is that God's trying to promote you. Let me say that again. You may think that the testing, God permitting you to be tested is punishment, but really it's for promotion. He's trying to move you to the next spot. Anybody here have to take the same test more than once? I get off, I get off, I get I I, I might as well just get on my back look like a dead cat with my hands hands and legs straight, straight out right there. And if you don't pass the test, guess what? There's a reset process, and now you're going to learn, and you're going to go through that. And then all of a sudden, here's that test again. And if you fail it, guess what? You're going to go back to the beginning, and we're going to walk through the process. Has anybody ever, besides me, ever been here? Come on. So what if you knew on the first round that this was a test? God is permitting me to be tested because he wants to promote me to the next level. If you knew that to start with, how much effort would you have put in to passing the test the first time? You know, I I don't want to start a fight here amongst anybody, but I feel like Mike Tyson is one of the absolute best heavyweight champions of, of all time. Right, I don't want anybody to have fallen out, but Iron Mike is one of the best ever was. All right, so think about it like this: if you, if they came to you on January twenty second and said August twenty second, you're going to have a title fight with Mike Tyson in which, if you win, you're going to win. You have the potential to win a million dollar purse. You're going to start training in the locker room because that's where, unfortunately, a lot of Christians live their life. They're not staying ready for the fight. They try to start fighting once the fight has started. They told a story on Abraham Lincoln one time, said, I don't know if it's true or not, So, but it's funny nonetheless. They said that when he was a boy, that he had a little dog, and, and he said in the little, the little village that they lived in, said that little dog just whipped all the big dogs. And so one day finally someone asked him, they said, how is it that your little dog is whipping all these big dogs and they said he said, well, very simple. he said, "My dog comes prepared to fight and your dog ain't ready to fight till the fight's half over." And that's where I feel like we find ourselves a lot. What if you were prepared for the fight? What if you knew that God was going to permit you to be tested. And in the testing process, he's going to permit the adversary to come against you with a certain amount of power. See, too often times we think that when the adversary is coming against us, we've done something wrong. But what if I could show you in the light of the scriptures and what most scholars believe is the oldest book of the Bible, the media team's going to hate me because I already sent them like 800 scriptures. and I didn't even give them this one, uh, so I apologize. But this was a Holy Ghost download as I was driving here, right? So here you go. So Job chapter one. Now listen very carefully. I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on some things. Job chapter one verse one says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man. Now listen what the Scripture testifies of Job. He was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. All right, now if I jump down to verse 7, 6, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also amongst them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Where where have you been? Where do you come from? And Satan said, From going to and fro, back and forth on the earth, walking on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? This is a bad rendering of the Hebrew because the Lord is asking him, Have you set your heart? Uh, You can look this up. Literal Hebrew reads, you, have you set your heart against my servant Job? Now watch what the Lord says about him. That there's... Watch, 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 watch. That, verse 8. That there is none like him on the earth. Blameless and upright. One who fears God and shuns evil. Well, Satan immediately says, Well, yeah, but he fears God for nothing because you have put a hedge about him. How did, you, how did Satan know that the Lord had hedged him in? That's where he come back from walking from. Back and forth. He's walking the perimeter of Job's hedge. Walking the perimeter of Job's hedge. Walking the perimeter of Job's hedge. Trying to find a place to get in. You say, I don't believe that. It don't make me no difference what you believe. I've lived this, and this is what the Scripture says. So that's between you and the Lord, right? I ain't trying to be mean or offensive, but this is what the Word says. All right? So then watch what happens. Now it says that Satan said... Yeah, but if you just stretch forth your hand and touch all that he has, he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, all that he has is in your power, only you cannot lay a hand on his body. All right, so then did the Lord permit Satan to go out? Did the Lord permit Satan to go out? He did. So who brought the attack against Job? The Lord? No, Satan did Why did the Lord permit Satan to do this? There's none like him on all the earth. Blameless and upright. One who fears God and shuns evil. And you would say, well, you know, but but Job lost his ten children. Yeah, but I can prove to you in the light of the Gospels that it would stand up in the light of it, or in the the light of the uh, 42nd chapter that I believe that at the end of Job's story that the Lord raised his children from the dead. And he gave Job back two times everything that he lost except his children. And the Bible tells you in chapter 1 that he had seven sons and three daughters. And in chapter 42, after it says that the Lord had restored twofold all Job's losses, it said that he had seven sons and three daughters. Huh. Isn't that interesting? I'll let you ponder on that. So why was Job permitted to be tested? Because he was doing something wrong? No. 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 No, he was permitted to be tested because he was doing everything right. And Satan said, "Yeah, but he just follows you because you're blessing him. But if you take if you just let you just you stretch forth your hand and touch that, and the Lord said, "Okay, go ahead." Go ahead. Now see, James chapter 5 tells us that the end result of why the Lord did that is number 1 is very merciful and very compassionate. In Job, you would come to find out that they didn't even know that there was a devil. They had no revelation that there was an adversary. Job in chapter 9 says, if it was not God who did this to me, who could it be? So oftentimes, we find ourselves in the modern day church. An attack comes against us. Trials come against us. All these things happen. And then we go, God, why are you doing this to me? He says, hey, look, I'm not, it's not me. I'm permitting you to be tested. But the attack is not coming through me. So the Lord your God will permit the test but not set the circumstances. So then we understand that it's in the victory that Jesus won for us that this is how we stand and this is how we overcome. But let me let me clarify something to you just real quick. I'm trying to keep track of my time. All right, attack and suffering, right? So it's important to understand that God is not killing people's spouses or children to test them and try them and so on and so forth. It's very important to understand that. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. Abundantly here is translated from the Greek word pritzos. And listen to what this word means: superabundant. I like that. I'll take some superabundant life. Glory to God. Excessive. I like that too. Give me excessive life, Lord. <laughs> Exceedingly abundant. Hallelujah. I'll take that too. Glory to God. Very highly. I would take that. Wouldn't you take that? I mean, the life, I mean, superabundant life. Glory to God. Beyond. This word means beyond abundance. So think about it. He said, I come to give you life and life beyond the boundary. Hallelujah. Extraordinary. Hallelujah. Well, you know, if the Lord said that, that's what he meant, wasn't it? Hallelujah. Right, And so we see of King David, what's King David say about the Lord in Psalm 23? He says, Jehovah-rohi, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my caretaker. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me down the righteous paths for his namesake. And even though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, Lord. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. I take that table. Hallelujah. You anoint my head with awe. My cup runs. Over, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. The Hebrew there means to chase after persistently. So surely goodness and mercy will follow after me persistently all the days of my life. And then when I get done with that, then I'm going to dwell forever in the house of the living God. Woo! So the Lord that's permitting you to be tested is not punishment it's promotion so that you'll get louder and louder and louder for him so that you, the the entirety of your life my god is it preaches his goodness his power hallelujah, hallelujah. man we wonder why <laughs> we wonder why people sometimes don't want the Jesus that we that we're preaching and I hear a lot of Christians preaching to Jesus that I know they love him, but it's not really him. I'm down here getting my teeth kicked in. Well, you know, I mean, the, you know, the devil's destroying everything i God, got. But bless God, one day when I get to the sweet by and by. Well, people look at that and they go, that don't sound too good to me. <laughs> you know, could I get to the where I'm about to at the end of my journey and then get in on that plan where I don't have to live here? In the, you see what I'm saying? Jesus... Came to give us life, victoriously. Mm. all don't, that all sounds like good things to me. He didn't say, "I am Jehovah, your destroyer." Jehovah, the Hebrew word there that's used there, Yahweh is a covenant name. So it's a so this is how the Lord revealed Himself to man. All right, so the very first time that he, re- man, this is completely off script. The very first time that he revealed himself as healer, he healed no one. You look that up, Exodus 15, or to waters of Marah. And they can't drink the water because the waters are bitter. And the Lord says, take such and such a tree, cut it down, throw it in the water. Then he goes on to say, for I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. So you can think about it like this, is that he has the capability to heal ahead of you that in which could destroy you. And that's, his, that's what he wants to do. He didn't say, I am Jehovah, the robber. He said, I am Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord, your provider. So see, think about it like this is that in the midst of the trying, in the midst of the tribulation, it's important to understand that he does not change. He said, I'm the Lord and I change not. That's what he said in Malachi. I am the Lord and I change not. So the testing is a very, very important part of the process because it pushes us to go further in him into deeper and deeper and deeper water in him so that the more that you know about him the more confidence you have in him so you don't know me so you can't have a lot of confidence in me but the more that you would know about me the more you could put maybe a little bit more confidence or maybe a little bit more confidence in me you see what i'm saying So the more that you know about the Lord, the more confidence you'll be able to put in Him. Well, the way that you learn about Him is through the Word. Study of the Word. And so I just want you to... Oh, oh, this is good. This is in my notes right here. This is good because it's something the Lord said to me. Listen to this. The Lord Jesus demonstrated to us the absolute perfect will of God in His ministry. Can we agree on that? So why in the world would we think as believers today that God the Father or the Lord Jesus does things any differently today than they did when the Lord himself walked on the earth? All right, well, you know, the Lord's giving me this sickness. Okay, prove that to me in the light of the ministry of the Lord Jesus because you'd see that nowhere. I'm going to preach that one more time. I, not everybody all at once. <laughs> Please do not get so overly excited about this that you can't hear me over the PA system. We have no record in the Gospels of Jesus afflicting any person with any type of sickness, disease, plague, infirmity. So if he didn't do it in his ministry when he put God's perfect will on demonstration in the earth, why in the world would we think that he'd be doing it now? Did You remember that one time, you know, in John where he said, Hey, brother, I appreciate you coming. You know, you're going to have to carry this sickness for about six more months because God's trying to prove something to you. No, he didn't do nothing like that. You see what I'm saying? See, we get mixed up, man, and our theology gets jacked. And then we start looking at things like, and it ain't right. Huh? Did he look at that multitude of people that says 5,000 men plus children, plus women and children? If that's like a modern-day church service, they probably 5,000 men... 20,000 women and about 10,000 kids. If it runs like the modern church does, most places I go, you usually got about three times as many women in the church as you do men. He probably fed 25,000 people that day. He didn't look at them people and say, Ah, you know, I don't have the money to do this. Sorry. No, he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. But if you don't know that in the midst of the test and the attack and the trial, you're going to turn to everything in the world but him. Does the Bible not tell us in Hebrews 13, 8, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Okay, so he is the same Jesus that when he walked the earth. He's the same Jesus that walked in the garden with Adam. You see him saying he does not change. Malachi, again, 3, 6 says uh, that the Lord says, for I am the Lord and I do not change. So I'm try- but I- what I'm trying to get to here is, is that you're going to be attacked. Now, if you're under attack, that does not necessarily mean that you're under a test. Because the adversary will come against you and he's going to try you. Because he ain't scared of you. He don't care how tough you think you are. How bad you think you are. What was that old song, Bad Mamma Jamma? He don't, he, don't, he don't think you're a bad Mamma Jamma. He don't. And if he knows that there's a way that he can come in against you, against your marriage, against your relationship with your children, in your ministry, at your job, whatever else, he can come at you. And the Lord said it to me one time like this. He said, when the devil knows what rings your bell, he's going to keep on ringing it until you do something about it. Because nowhere in the Gospels, do you see, do you, in the New Testament, do you see a writer of the New Testament tell you to pray to God the Father or the Lord Jesus to do anything about the devil. He tells you. He tells you to submit to God, and you resist the devil. See that? You see, you see but we, we get things kind of mixed up sometimes, don't we? So then we have to kind of turn around and we have to go, "Oh, okay, I need to get myself, I need to get myself straightened back out here. And so that's kind of what we want to do. So it's important to understand that we've proven the lie of the gospels that God's going to test you. Yes. Can we agree to that? Yes. So there, So what is the testing for? Promotion. Promotion. Not punishment. So get that in your mind. Because see, perspective and intent is very, very, very important. So when you understand that he's testing you, he's trying to grow you. He's trying to move you into another place to where you are more and more effective for his kingdom. This is also not in the script. But John chapter 15, verses 7 8 says, Jesus said, If my word... ...abides in you... ...my word lives in, dwells in, continues in you... ...and you abide in me... ...you will ask whatever you desire... ...and it will be done for you. By this... ...my Father is glorified... ...that you bear much fruit... ...so you will be... ...my disciple. So he says... ...by the... Now don't get it mixed up here... ...by rightly asking inside the scope and will of God... ...you'll receive what you ask for... And by this, he says, my father is glorified, so you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciple. Well, you wanna, You look at apple tree that ain't got no fruit on it and go, huh, I think I'm going to go over and get me an apple. No, it, it, we, got too many, we got too many trees that aren't bearing fruit for the kingdom. They're a tree, they're planted, no fruit. Well, if you don't have fruit, how is God being glorified? Because he said, by the receiving for what you ask for of him, by this your, his father is glorified. Very important to understand these things. Man, it's so crazy important to understand these things. Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians chapter 6, a very, very important chapter on spiritual warfare. Starting at verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth. Now listen very carefully because nowhere does it say the Lord here going to dress you. He ain't looking for no 50-year-old toddlers be putting pampers on, getting dressed every day, putting, come here, baby, let me put your socks on. No, no. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So let's get something straight here. If it steals, kills, or destroys, that is from an operative of Satan's kingdom. That is from an operative of Satan's kingdom. All right, let's get something else here. You notice that in this scripture it says, in the evil day. Huh. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. All right? So let's clarify something. Do you love the Lord? Amen. By show of hands. Raise your hand. Are you proud of the Lord? you love the Lord? All right. Jesus saved you. All right. Guess what? The evil day. There's going to be an evil day come against you. Because you have an adversary, the devil. that has a, Satan has a kingdom, a well-organized, well-structured kingdom... That he has operatives that are looking for ways to attack you. So what is the evil day, you might say? Well, the evil day is the day that the devil comes knocking at your door wanting to pick a fight. You're going to have more than one of them in life. You might as well settle yourself to that fact. Because it's the fact of the matter. He's going to come against you. He's going to attack you. If he thinks he can get in your head, he's going to get in your head. If he thinks he can get in your marriage, he's going to get in your marriage. If he thinks he can get your job, he's going to get. he's going to get at anything he can to destroy you. Because that's what he does. Because he's a destroyer. The testing of our hearts and our faith is appointed to us by our God. But he does not set the circumstances in which the enemy attacks, nor has the... This is the most important part. Listen very carefully. Nor has the Lord left us defenseless in any way. The Lord has not left us defenseless in any way. He has given us authority over all the works and power of Satan and his kingdom. He has given us the weapons of our warfare. He has given us the whole armor of God. He has given us the command to be strong in him and in the power of his might. The Lord said to me one time you may think I'm smarter than what I am, but I'm really not. The Lord said to me one time, he said, uh, he said, you know, I told you to be strong in me and in the power of my might. I said, yeah. He said, then why are you trying to be strong in you and the power of your might? I said, could you say that again, Lord? I think I'm confused. (laughs) So oftentimes, when the testing comes, what do we try to do? Oh, we try to be strong in us. Huh? Huh? And when the attack comes, we try to be strong in ourselves. I'll tell you what I'd do about blah 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 blah. Yeah. And then we start getting our rear end with like we in the ring with Tyson. Right? What happens? When the attack comes. What happens when the evil day shows up at your door? What happens when it seems like the Lord's not there? What happens when it seems like no one's there with you? You know, the Apostle Paul said in Second Timothy that in his first defense, no one stood with him, but all abandoned him. And that the Lord stood with him and strengthened him. He's talking about the other apostles. What happens to him when he goes back to Jerusalem? He's talking about that—that—that that, that the first offense when they drug him out of the synagogue and started whipping him in the street. Peter and John was like, <laughs> "See you, bro." That's what happened. It's in this moment that you're going to have to understand. You'll make the decision to do what you must. Will you make that decision? See, that's the decision you have to make. The attack's coming. It's relentless. I'm gonna do what I must. I will do what I must. I will do what I must, Lord. I'll do what I must. Lord, you you saved me. You redeemed me. You laid your life down for me. Lord, you've done all these things for me. And 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 now because you've done all these things for me in this evil day, in this evil season, in this evil time, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I will do what I must. To continue to serve you faithfully and to endure. Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. This is an interesting past, passage of scripture. This is where the Lord's talking to Ananias about one Saul of Tarsus. And it says, but the Lord said to him, go for he's a chosen vessel of mine. Now you remember Ananias said, Lord, do you want me to go talk to this guy like he's got authority to arrest your people, kill your people, do all this different stuff. Are you sure, Lord, we got the same Saul? Lord, that'd be like me. Lord, are we talking about the same guy here? Right? The Lord said, Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him what he must suffer for my sake, for my name's sake. All right, now a lot of people have misconstrued this and said that the Lord said this about Paul because of the things that Paul did. He had to suffer all of his life. All right, now let me ask you and present you with just a very, very common sense question. If Paul had to do, had to, everything that Paul endured, he had to endure because of the things that he had done in his life before he had that encounter with the king, then the blood of Jesus was not enough to purge Paul of his sins. That's what that means. If you think that Paul had to go through this stuff because of what he did, then that means that the blood of Jesus was not enough to forgive Paul of his sins. And the Lord said, okay, you've you know, I got my blood, but now you're going to have to make recompense on top of this. No, that's what it, no, that's what it means. See, this Greek word pasco means, it can mean to undergo, to experience, or to endure. He said, I'm going to show him what he must undergo for my name's sake, what he must endure for my namesake. That seems like it's kind of tough, doesn't it? But you know what? God honored Paul with writing two-thirds of the New Testament through him huh? <laughs> Woo! Come on now. You think Paul's up there mad about what happened to him when he was in them three shipwrecks and getting his rear end whipped and everything else? No, he's sitting up there going, Man, when the Spirit of the Lord began to speak to me and I wrote the epistle to the church at Galatia. When the Spirit of the Lord said to me and I wrote the Spirit to the church at Ephesus and the church at Rome. And, the, and, and you see what I'm saying? The church at Thessalonica. And, I, and the Spirit. You see what I'm saying? See, the testing process that Paul went through involved being attacked, involved suffering, but look at the reward that God rewarded Paul with because of what he endured for the sake of the gospel. You might say that Paul had a mindset that he looked at the Lord and looked at his trouble and he said, I will do what I must. Hallelujah. Whoo! Hmm. Whoo! Paul would speak of his own suffering in 2 Corinthians chapter eleven, verses twenty-two through twenty-eight, and starting in verse twenty-two, it says, "Paul says this: Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant. You ever wonder why? I, uh, sometimes I wonder." I wonder what the other apostles looked at Paul and thought. Because, you know, Paul suffered more than all of the other apostles put together. But, you know, the Lord blessed him to write three times more content than any other New Testament writer, too. Hmm. But I wonder if those people looked and said, man, what did he do to have to go through all this? Listen to what he says he went through. I am in labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons, more frequently, not going there visiting. <laughs> Very important for you to understand that. He wasn't like Sister Fields and him going to the jail ministry. No, it falls on the inside. In deaths, often, for the Jew, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one, that's 195. Three times I was beaten with rod once I was stoned, not like Chichen Chong. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils amongst false brethren. In weariness, toil, sleeplessness, hunger, thirst. Fasting's often cold and nakedness. Besides the other things which comes upon me daily. My concern for the church. This man had a mindset. I will do what I must. And that's the mindset that I want to try to get across to us. Because, see, it's, it's easy to say, well, that was Paul. You know. Well, the Lord's calling you. You've been called to do something for the kingdom. I'm going to say something here. hope we don't have it falling out. That you're called to do more than sit in a seat. <laughs> that was such an overwhelming response. <laughs> Pastor Tibbs is like, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. (laughs) You have been called to do more than simply just show up here on a Sunday morning and sit in a seat. You've been called here to be trained as a warrior. Because Paul said to Timothy, endure hardship like a good soldier of what? Who knows the scripture? Brother Tibbs. A good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardship as a good soldier. All right, so you know what that tells me? I'm going to have to start doing some endurance. You know what that tells me? I'm now figuring out that I'm enlisted in an army in which I am not the ruler and commander, so I don't give me my marching orders. I receive my orders from the king, the head of the church. And oftentimes, the marching order, let me give you a little example about how this breaks down, because see, Jesus is big on honoring authority. And he gave some apostles, and he gave some prophets, and he gave some evangelists, and he gave some prophets and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You see what I'm saying? So it's for you that as you're coming into Christ that you're being trained to go somewhere and do something for the army. So you come here and you receive teaching from Brother Tibbs or, or Sister Brooke or the other people that are in here. And you come and you go, okay, all right, I come here to get my ammo. I'm out of ammo for this week. And you know what? I gotta, I'm working with some heathens. I'm working with some straight-up heathens full of the devil, and I need some ham. You got any Holy Ghost ammo? Because <laughs> I need some. With these bunch of heathens, I'm about to go and, ah, oh, help me, Jesus. A bunch of heathens straight up full of the devil. Anybody ever have to deal with stuff like that? Oh, that's okay. It's all right. I'll be completely honest. So it's for you to come here and get the, and get the ammunition. And then go where you're called to go and do what you're called to do and, and share and preach and teach and do all these things that the Lord has commanded you to do. You see what I'm saying? So Paul talks about the things that he suffered for his namesake. And you know what he said? He said, I count it all joy. He said, I count all this stuff as rubbish. What I've had to go through. Everything I've had to give up. I count it as rubbish. The literal Greek right there means dung. Dung. We say rubbish, but Paul said, this is crapola. (laughs) He said, I count it all dung compared to the excellence of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. So how do we endure? So we talk, about, we talk about testing. We talk about attack. We talk about suffering a little bit. I don't know how this didn't make it in my notes, or I've bypassed it, but go to Hebrews chapter 5. I want to show you something really quick. You know, the Lord wouldn't ask you to do something he ain't done himself. i say that one more time. You know, the Lord ain't going to ask you to do something he didn't do himself. Right? You know anybody ever suffered more than Jesus? Hmm. I'll show you something about this suffering. See, suffering for the faith is a a teaching process. Let me show you that. Let me prove that to you. Hebrews chapter 5. Now, I'm going to start reading to you at verse 5. Now, listen very carefully what the Spirit of God says here. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh... Now we're talking about the Lord Jesus. So listen very carefully. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears, who was able to save him from death... And was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Obedience here, this word would be better, have been better translated as full compliance to God's will. So when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, this is where we really begin to see the master come under attack. He's under pressure, right? To the point he said, my soul is sorrowful, exceedingly sorrowful even to death. And he is praying and he says, Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, let it pass from me. But not what I will, Father, what you will. The Lord said to me the other day, he said, everybody thinks that statement's fun and games till they realize the cup can't pass. You know, it sounds holy and it sounds good and it sounds righteous to say, not what I will, but what you will. But when it clicks, that in the midst of the test, in the midst of the attack, in the midst of the suffering, the cup ain't leaving. So you know what? The, the cup didn't leave the Lord, did it? All right, so then the cup of suffering, one translation the NLT says, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Well, if you say you abide in him, then you are, you're, it's for you to know that it's going to be required of you to walk as he walked. Let me say that again. Overwhelming response. Because we don't want to hear this. But here's what the adversary wants you to do. He wants you to suffer in silence. He wants you to suffer in silence. He wants you to think that you've done something wrong. That's why God is punishing you. But the test is for promotion, not punishment. And when you submit to God and resist the devil, then he flees from you. But it's in the suffering in the flesh that Jesus learned obedience. So then, likewise, it's important for us to understand that it's in the testing, in the attack, in the suffering, that we learn full compliance to the will of God. How do we do this? How do we do it? You know, I'd be remiss to tell you all this and not tell you how you do it, right? That'd be bad, would It's kind of like, you know, you order a big T-bone steak and all you got was your coleslaw and your french fries and you didn't even get the steak. And you're like, what in the world, Right? All right, so 2 Corinthians 12. Paul and the Lord Jesus are our two greatest examples in in the New Testament when it comes to testing, trying, enduring attack, and suffering, and then also overcoming. So 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Paul says this, and he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan sent to... Buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, Paul says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in my infirmities. We're going to talk about that word in just a minute. Don't let that word fool you. I take pleasure in my infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. All right. So then it begs the question, been deep intellectual theological debates about what was Paul's thorn. The scripture tells you what it was. It was a messenger of Satan sent to Buffet. Well, what does that word mean? What does Buffet mean? Is that the one of them things like I go and they got all the kind of the food out there? You know, I'm kind of simple. So I like a, I like a good Buffet myself, like, you know. <laughs> was it <laughs> Used to be a chain up here, a Denny's maybe or something like that. I don't remember, but whatever it was, but I like a good Buffet myself. But Buffet here... ...translated from the Greek word kalaphizo... ...and it can be translated as to literally strike in the face... ...but the most common definition in Greek... ...is to treat one contumely or with great violence... ...with violent action and violent language. So Paul says, a messenger which of Satan... ...was sent to treat me with violent action and violent language. Well, if you go back and you read Acts and see what they did to Paul and said to Paul, you go, oh yeah, I see that. That's exactly what they did. You see what I'm saying? So this messenger of Satan comes against him and then the Lord says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. All right, so a lot of people, you know, commonly as I used to read that, I kind of heard the Lord saying that from my perspective, as kind of with no emotion, no compassion, right? But you know, Psalm 48, 145 forty five, eight says the Lord is merciful and full of compassion, right? So He can't be anything less than compassionate when He's dealing with His servants, right? So think about it like this: If you understood these words and how they were used in the secular world before the church pulled, before the modern church pulled them in and started their own, adding their own definitions you would understand that what the Lord said to Paul right is here is he said, when you see the Lord say, my grace, grace is translated here from the Greek word charis, and it can, be, it can be defined as in the scope of the church as mercy and favor and unmerited favor and all this different stuff. But the word charis is not a word that's native to the Greek New Testament. As a matter of fact, when you track the etymology of the word, you see that this word charis was used back all the way back to 800 B.C. in Homeric writings when they were talking about the Greek god Zeus and his daughters, the Karaites. And when someone found favor in the eyes of the Karaites, the Greeks believed that they would bestow on them a special gift that would cause them to stand out or excel. So have you ever heard someone that's extremely gifted physically or mentally? You've ever heard the term, they've been graced by the gods? That's where this term comes from. So the Greeks interpreted charis as a supernatural power, a supernatural strength, or a supernatural empowering touch. So when you go back and you go, oh my goodness, the Lord said to Paul, Paul, my supernatural empowering empowering touch is, is sufficient. Poor English rendering again. Sufficient makes you think, oh, boy, boy, I mean, we just made it. But sufficient here, translated from the Greek word, archeo, and the very first definition of this Greek word is to possess of an unfailing strength. That's how that word's defined. To defend, to ward off, to protect, to cause you to be content. So, what the Lord said to Paul, Paul's pleading with the Lord. You ever plead with the Lord about something? I have. Man, I'll tell you what, I I mean, I've been going through the meat grinder for about eight months. i come out of the absolute hardest fight of faith that my, my faith has ever seen. And I've pleaded with the Lord more than three times, I can tell you that much. But the Lord said, Paul, my supernatural empowering touch is more than enough to possess you of an unfailing strength to defend you to ward off, to protect you. That's why Paul said, and he says, my strength is made perfect in your asthenia or asthenio. Now this word infirmities that's used here makes you think physical weakness, but it does not, or physical sickness, but it's not always defined as physical sickness. It can be found as, it can be defined as weakness in mind, weakness in body, not necessarily sick, but weak. The Lord said, Paul, my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's why when you read what Paul says next, he says what? I will now boast in my infirmity, my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me because when I am weak, then I am. Hmm. So we endure the testing and the attack with faith in the grace of the Lord Jesus in his supernatural power and touch but it's important for you to understand you will be tested you will be you will be tested God will test your heart and it's to promote you to move you on to the next part of your life the next part of your season And then in that is to understand that oftentimes, in the permission of the testing, the adversary is permitted to come against you. It's important to understand that. So that you rise up and you submit to God and you resist the devil and he will flee from you. And it's through that supernatural empowering touch of the Lord Jesus in you that causes you to be filled with an unfailing strength that even when, you know what, even when the adversary catches you off guard and, I mean, absolutely just rings your bell and you go, I didn't even see that coming. I didn't even see where it went. Kind of like the Phantom Punch with Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston. They said he didn't even see it coming or leaving. Right? You ever been attacked like that by the devil? If you haven't, you will be. You will be, and it's in that season, it's in that moment that you will must you will have to make the decision. I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna dust myself off. I'm gonna stand up, and I'm gonna keep on keeping on for the Lord. Rocky Balboa said that winning was not about. How hard you could get hit. Or not how hard you could hit. But how hard you can get hit. And still keep coming. Still pressing forward. Still moving forward. This is how winning is done. This is a fight of faith, ladies and gentlemen. You say, well, I don't like a fight. Well, I'm so, I can't help that. You better get to liking the fight. Because you're going to have to do a lot of it. So you might as well. If you're going to have to do a lot of it. You might as well get to liking it. You better accept the fact this is a fight of faith. And you might be sitting there saying, Well, I ain't never had any of this happen to me. It's coming. It will come. It will come. But it's in that moment in the midst of the test. Lord, I will do what I must. It's in the midst of the attack. Lord, I feel like this is gonna kill me. But I will do what I must. It's in the midst of the suffering. Lord. I Just soon you take me out of here. But if you won't, or you can't, I will do what I must. It's important for you to see this and understand this. If you endeavor to serve the Lord and do anything for his kingdom, there is an evil day that will come for you. And the more you do, the more those days will come. And the more you do, the more attacks will come. And you're going to have to make... Could, could we see that in, in Paul's life? Hmm? The more the man did for the Lord, the more he went through. And the more he did, the more he went through. And the more he did, the more he went through. I, I ain't never been beat with 195 stripes, although my grandma Reed probably came close to beating me like that one time. <laughs> and I, I guarantee I had it coming. If it wasn't for what she was doing then, it was for something else that she didn't catch me for at the time. But I guarantee I had. But I ain't never been beat with 195 stripes, have you? You ever been beaten with rods three times? You ever been shipwrecked three times? You know, interestingly enough, the book of Acts only tells us about Paul being shipwrecked once. Ah, I see people didn't know that. They're like, wait a minute, is he telling me the truth? Well, go look it up and find out for yourself. As a matter of fact, everything else I've said today, don't take my word for it. Don't go somewhere and say, Brother Rocky said this, or blah, blah, blah. No, he says what the Lord said. The Lord said this, the Lord said this, the Lord said this. When you endeavor to serve the Lord, To do what the Lord has called you to do. You will be tested for promotion. You will be attacked by the kingdom of Satan. You will suffer. And it's only through the grace of the Lord Jesus that you endure. Because I've seen a lot of people wash completely out of the ministry washed completely out of serving the Lord because the attack came and they buckled like an accordion or a cheap suit, as we say back in Williamsburg, Kentucky. And then you see them and they do nothing for days or weeks or months, even years. Then they start to get a little courage back about them Maybe I'll, serve the, maybe I'll go start going back to church. Maybe I'll start serving the Lord again. Then they get back and they start to endeavor to do what they were doing before. And the same adversary that knocked them down the last time comes right back down, knocks them back down again, and they wash completely out. And they do not fulfill the work of the ministry wherewith they were called. So each one of you here, is called to serve the Lord. If you've been born again and I saw I think I'm pretty sure I saw every person in this room raise their hand. If you've been born again, it's for you to understand. You do not give you your marching orders. You are to receive your marching orders from the king of the from the king of the universe, from the king of heaven and earth, and then you go do what he says to do in his strength and in his power. Hallelujah. I'm not sure if anybody learned anything today, but I had a good time. <laughs> and I thank you for having me. I'm very thankful for your, uh, your love and, and just everybody here is, has just made me feel so welcomed. And, and I just want to say this is that it, in my time here, as far as like being at the dinner last night, hearing everybody talk and everything else, it, it, you all have put more in me than I left with you. I promise you that. I, I've, I mean, I, I'm just so very thankful for each and every one of you. I'm going to turn it back over to Brother Tibbs. But if you need prayer for anything, do not leave this building. Whatever it may be, the power of the Lord is here and present to move, heal, and prevail on your behalf.
1: Praise the Lord. Uh, Kimberly, if you could come back, please. Um, We want to honor the man of God. He drove a long way, and uh, we want to be a blessing to him. So at this time, if you'd like to bring something, and we'll just use this one uh, offering bucket here uh, to be a blessing to him and his ministry. Uh, Later on today, I'll try to put a link on our Facebook page so you can follow his ministry and be a blessing to him that way as well. So you can come at this time if you'd like to be a blessing to the man of God. We're so appreciative of the word that he gave us today. Can we give God praise again for what we heard? Amen. What he told us was so important. You've got to learn how to fight. A fight is coming, so you must learn how to fight. So important to know. Don. I know I said I would do the announcements, but if you come do those quickly, please, we'll do our announcements. And then those that are going to leave, we just ask that you uh, be blessed. We thank you so much for coming, but we do ask that you leave quietly because the work of the ministry is going to be happening here at the altar as we pray. And we're going to see miracles happen and deliverances happen, but just make sure that you come with your faith. We're going to see God do some incredible things.
2: Wow, such a good and timely word, was it not? Amen. 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 All right, just a reminder, Matthew 25 kitchen dinner is tomorrow evening from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. I know we have our volunteers in that, but you know, it's been laid upon the hearts of the leadership here that we have more people come in fellowship with those who are coming for dinner. They need to see the Christ in each each and us and to love on them. Um, Wednesday night, we have Bible study at 6.30 p.m. Um, Parents of teens, there is a Teen Fun Day is coming up this January 29th at Rally Point from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. If you haven't got your permission slips already back in for your child, see Pastor Brooke or one of the other Luth leaders to get more information in that permission slip. They must be filled out for them to attend. Ladies, coming up in March. And we're doing this now because there's limited seats. Um, We have been invited to a ladies tea party that is hosted by Cornerstone, Lima, and us New Life Christian Ministries. This will be on Saturday, March 11th at the Swan House Tea Room located in Findlay, Ohio. This does cost $25, but that includes your lunch and your proper tea. There are forms in the back tables here behind you and in the North Sanctuary. There's a QR code. All you have to do if you have a smartphone, you can scan that and you can click that link to sign up for that. If you are having problems with that, see Pastor Brooke um, and she can get you signed up. Want to remind all men 18 up and older that men's breakfast, the men's huddle is this coming Saturday morning at 9 a.m. All men welcome from ages 18 on up. A hearty breakfast, both physically and spiritually, will be served. Also, one last thing, we have our website is up and running. This was a mighty word today that I think will help equip us to go forward in our walks. If you want to hear this message again, you can go to newlifelima.church and just click on the media tab and you'll see the dates there, not only today's message, but all previous. There's years on there and most of those have notes. You'll see where there's a title under that sermon when you click it. It'll have like a little area that says the headline again. You click that, and that's the scriptures that um, Pastor Rocky had today that's on there. If you don't use a computer and you have a smartphone, we do have an app with all that listed on there. So please just go to New Life Lima, right? That's the search, right, in the app search. Go to your app store and search New Lifeline. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Download the app. I'm telling you, there's such amazing, God has given so many amazing words through this church, and they are on this app. They are on the website. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Wednesday night, this last Wednesday night Bible study was so powerful here. Uh, the Spirit of God is always here. So I challenge you all. To come back on Wednesdays at 6.30, uh, you need to richly have uh, the Word of God dwelling in you. I understand if you work second shift that you may not be able to come, but if you don't work second shift, please come to Bible study because it's time for edification and it's time to be renewed and just strengthened. It was so powerful on last Wednesday. Let's stand to our feet. Good to see uh, Sister McGriff here and her sister and and daughter. God bless you all. Such a blessing to have you. All of our visitors today, we thank you so much for being here. Uh, Mosler's, uh, good to see you as well. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to dismiss those who are leaving. But those that desire to be ministered to and prayed over, we're going to take our time with you. So you can just come uh, to the front here, and we'll begin that. I'd like some of the intercessors and elders and deacons to stay uh, to help out with that as well. Well, Father, we thank you for Pastor Rocky and the word that we receive today, that we don't have to be fearful of the fight. We just got to be ready for it. And we thank you, Father God, that even though um, we, we see these afflictions sometimes as, what did I do wrong? He taught us today that it's no, it's what did I do right? You've seen us being faithful over a few things and you want us to make us ruler over many, but first you have to test our heart. So that's why the trouble comes, God, to test us so we might be promoted. We can look at the life of Joseph and see how he was tested but then promoted. So God, I ask that you would be with all of us today that have heard this word And God, make us ready to submit to you, ready to resist the devil, and ready to see him flee. We pray this over our people now. I thank you that no sickness dwells among us, God, that we walk in divine health, we walk in divine favor, Lord, and we just receive all your promises with a hearty yes and amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you for keeping us. Father, I pray that you will put it upon us our hearts to gather again this Wednesday at six We've got to put you first. If we're going to be spiritual, we have to take partake of spiritual time together in your word. We love you. We thank you. We pray for our our brother. Safe travel to where he goes next, God. He fed us so well. We pray that you continue to feed him and be with him. In Jesus name, amen. So at this time,